The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, everyone. We have another guest today, and I'm actually in person with my guest for once. It is my classmate, Colleen. So, Colleen, can you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, let them know your background and how you ended up in dental school here? Yeah, so I am what they say is a non-traditional student. So I first actually got my associates in dental hygiene from a community college because I was thinking I was saving myself money and I was just planning on being a hygienist for my professional career. So I did that and then I wanted to go back to school to pursue becoming a general dentist. So I returned to school and here at the University of Michigan did a degree completion on campus. So you just take some research classes, public health classes, and then I put in my like organic chemistries, physics, and all of the other prereqs that dental hygienists didn't have to take and did that here at the University of Michigan and got involved in research. And then, um, yeah, and actually I, I practiced hygiene for five years before coming back. So there was quite a gap in my academic years. (laughs) Yeah, so lots to kind of talk through your experiences there. And I guess starting from the beginning, you were working in a dental office. At what point did you realize, you know, hygiene's all fine and good, but I really want to be the dentist? Yeah, so ultimately deciding on like a dental career, I think I found it very daunting to take out the loans. And so that's where hygiene seemed like a really good fit. I still got the um, clinical experience. You still got to interact with the patients, which is what I really wanted. Um, But really it was the first year out of hygiene where I felt like I wanted more training, more education, and more involvement with my patient's care. but I, I really appreciate, like, within the five years that I worked, I worked for a variety of different office settings. So Medicaid clinics, nursing home mobile units, pediatric offices, a variety of private practices. And then I would also sub at corporate change just to understand different environments and different patient populations and how they all differed. And I, I think that really solidified my love and passion for the dental field and caring for populations in a hands-on manner. Um, I really liked gaining their trust and, um, you know, being in someone's personal space like that is really difficult and difficult for patients to receive. So I found that to be something I was really passionate about. So it was working in all those different styles of of patient care that really made me want to come back and get more involved because I found some people, some dentists I worked for were really inspiring to me. I said, wow, I really love how they do this. And I'll be honest, I, I worked for some, whether it be subbing or wherever I, I stumbled upon them, where I thought that I could do a better job. And I didn't really res- like how they were handling things in certain respects. So mm-hmm. that really pushed me to want to take over that sort of role um, and come back and get further training and education. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking about this before we pressed record, but it was a big decision because your life was going you had a career like what kind of thought process did you go to to really make that jump 
into going back to finish those prereqs and then going through the application process? Was there ever a time that you almost stopped everything or once you started the prereqs you were in for it? Yeah, I think so everyone in my life knew that not only I had stopped my own career to dive into this, but I am married. So my spouse also got a completely different career, relocated, and was all in for this as well. So I think there was a little bit of fear of failure, knowing that everyone knew that I did this. and But there was a lot of supportive people in my life, including my spouse, that just knew I could do it. The question was not if I would get into dental school, but where, because once I dedicate my time to something or make a decision like this I'm all in Mm -hmm. and I'm a very competitive person so um so yeah I knew that it would happen but it was it was very much an internal motivation for self-fulfillment I think Mm -hmm. that really made it happen I never actually had a, a time where I contemplated you know did I make the right choice or anything I, I was very happy, and like I said, like self-fulfillment really was a big impact. Like I, I just felt more confident and happy with what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I ever thought that I, I never considered a professional program. I never thought that I think that I could have done it in the very beginning, you know, when you're 17 and trying to make such a big life choice of what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I didn't yeah. think that I... I don't know, could could do it, I guess. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got the work experience, realized I really liked it and was got a lot of positive feedback from coworkers and patients that they thought I was good at it and then the support around me. But um, yeah, it, it was a really tough decision to make to relocate. But I think what ultimately happened is I almost did it and then we had other options thrown at us, my spouse and I, to like invest our time and energy into something else that could have... Um, made for like an exciting future but then a year had actually passed after that and I was still sitting there being like oh I really want to do this an entire year mm-hmm. and I think that's what really hit me is a whole year has gone by nothing has changed you're not doing that other option that you guys were considering mm-hmm. and that's a year further into this process that you could have been because it was yeah. a six-year ordeal from start to finish ultimately mm-hmm. like we did a lot of research had a lot of conversations with people about understanding what it would take between the prerequisites, taking the DAT, waiting to apply, and then going through the interview process, and then waiting to actually start the four-year program. So it's a six-year endeavor, um, but I'm, I've been happy with it every day, mm-hmm. even those stressful days. <laughs> yeah, what was your experience like being in the pre-dental stage, but having worked in a dental office all those years, you had to go get technical shadowing hours, and like, how did you as you said, had conversations with people to figure out the DAT, the prereqs, like who did you go to for that information and like where would you direct people? So I can speak for people here at the University of Michigan for who I specifically went to, like Patty Catcher mm-hmm. um, in the admissions office. So going to the admissions office at whatever school you're looking into to really understand what you need to do to mm-hmm. get to this point, um, as well as through my degree completion for hygiene, the director of my program, Jennifer Cullen here, was incredible mm-hmm. um, for helping understand what all I would need to do. And, and no one else in the degree completion was pursuing what I was pursuing. So mm-hmm. It was her first time, I think, helping someone get to this point, Mm -hmm. but she was very encouraging and she knew other people at the university. So she's like, well, maybe go talk to this person. But it was primarily her and then the admissions office. They're very open. 
um, to any questions you have and then maybe trying to find someone who's in the program already and seeing if they can give other tidbits for what they think would be helpful they did not count any of my time working as a hygienist as shadowing hours yeah and which I understand because a hygienist is in their own room they're not in the room with the dentist mm-hmm. but even those that were assistants before coming to the program still had to go and do the shadowing hours so yeah. any work experience they had whether it was like a year to five years none of that counted for shadowing yeah so I did still have to do that and I just did it at offices where like the office I grew up going to or um yeah just other local offices on I had Mondays off so I would go and do that yeah Um, it seemed kind of silly because I knew that I wanted to do it anyways and I think Mm -hmm. that's part of shadowing is them really wanting you to see the environment and see if it's a place that you could see yourself having a career in yeah but it's just a box you have to check and did you stop working when you went back to complete your classes? Yeah, so classes were definitely a full-time job. Um, I would pick up some Saturdays here and there from some offices that I already had connections with down in this area. So that would just be, you know, like a 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. thing. So it was nothing crazy because I had classes Monday through Friday, so there was no time. Um, I would pick up work on breaks and so I've continued to do that throughout this whole process just to one keep up with hand skills when we weren't in the clinic to keep up with connections and just for some play money I guess because really subbing like that isn't anything concrete but but I think it's good to do um if you have any sort of like dental experience like stay with assisting or hygiene just to keep up with stuff Mm -hmm. so so yeah I still do that now but now I limit it just to breaks yeah try not to do it on the weekend (laughs) yeah that would be a lot um another thing I was wondering about is I think a lot of people that are considering going back to school just have fear in general of being with a bunch of 21 22 year olds and how that's gonna be what's your experience been with going to undergrad classes and then being in dental school yeah that was really interesting um going back at least here um, at this university, there's a post-bac pre-med program, and so there's other people in a similar situation, but they're pursuing medical school, and it's an actual program. So they all stayed together like a little cohort, but I ended up finding them somehow in some of my classes. And so they were really nice because they had a similar background. They'd gone mm-hmm. out and worked for a couple of years, and then they were back. And so I hung out with them a lot. But I also um, hung out with, like, freshmen because some of those classes were with them too Mm -hmm. and so you know you can find people that they're in the same class as you so they're going through similar struggles you may not relate to them on like life outside of school because you're at completely different stages of life but they can be really supportive and helpful when you're taking classes together um being open to making those sort of friendships and connections was really huge I think um they weren't people that I necessarily you know communicated with after the class was over but they were nice for the time being yeah um and even now I mean I'm I'm on average eight years older than people in our class yeah and so it's a little different but we're still in the same struggles together in the same courses clinics doing the same things so Mm -hmm. those connections are still super important and I I appreciate them Mm -hmm. so but I still I spend my weekends though connecting with those outside of the dental school just very much like I, I treat our peers a lot of the time like they're my coworkers. So I hang out with them Monday through Friday. Maybe we'll do lunch. Maybe we'll do like a happy hour right after a clinic. Mm-hmm. But then the weekends are with like family and other friends that maybe you know from high school or early 20s or, you know, yeah. whatever. So reconnecting with them and it's a nice balance. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, definitely just diving on in and making those friendships for people on a similar path as you is really nice. Yeah, I mean, even myself, I feel like on the weekends, I try to disconnect from dental school too. Like you don't have to be all consumed in dental school and dental school people 24-7 if you don't want to be. Like even with, um, we're signing up to take our national board exams right now. And for some people, they're taking it maybe this spring because it works better with their personal lives. Mm -hmm. I've heard people saying, oh yeah, we have graduations and all these other things, you know, coming up this summer. So I want to get it done before then. Whereas I have a lot of weddings and, um, you know, a bachelorette party and all these things going on this spring. So Mm -hmm. it works better for me to do it this summer. And so that's a nice flexibility to make sure you're still making those commitments Mm -hmm. a priority because it's important to still do things outside of dental school and prioritize those for your your mental health. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) To get through it all. No, I totally agree. A couple other things people might be curious about, not even about your non-traditional background, just you as a student at Michigan Mm -hmm. now. What are some of the things that you really liked about the program and why did you choose to come here? Um, I chose here because, one, I'm a Michigan native, and so though I got into other schools that I really liked, um, I liked the fact that sort of full circle my friends and family outside of dental school were nearby and so that was huge for me as well as my spouse because my spouse is coming along with me and um so I loved Ann Arbor um that was actually a town I considered moving to when I finished my hygiene degree my husband and I almost moved here anyways because we liked the city itself Mm -hmm. um but honestly it you know I hate to say it but money plays a role yeah. School is very expensive, and the other schools I had into were either private or out of state, and I couldn't transfer in state. So comparing money, it wasn't even wasn't even close. This was mm-hmm. the most affordable um, for me. And then I have opportunity cost given I'm uh, 33 and I should be working, yeah. but I'm not working, and so I have a six year span where it's like I've lost that income. And so this made the most sense for me financially. Yeah. And then also I had made connections through research and such before starting the program and I liked the fact that I knew they were here yeah and so you know it's a big place you're going to find your people that are supportive and going to be there for you and it's not going to be everyone but it's it was nice and comforting for me I also ended up meeting people during the prerequisite days that were also pursuing this so I knew a fair amount of our classmates before we started the program Mm -hmm. and that was here at U of M Ann Arbor, but also U of M Dearborn, just taking the classes um, in a timely manner. I sometimes had to like reach out to other institutions and take them there. Yeah. But so I, I knew a fair amount of people coming here. That's cool, yeah. And so that was kind of nice. With our class, it started out with 109 people and then ended up being 130 with the international dentist that joined us. And I still, I felt like I knew a good chunk. Yeah, that so makes that it easier. Nice. Yeah. But um, it, it kind of changed because of COVID. This was also a school that we were supposed to get into the clinic earlier than most others. And I think it's going to get back to that point. And who knew that COVID was going to yeah. happen and change things. So D2 winter, we were supposed to be in the clinic. And so that was something I also considered is, is more clinical time. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't happen, but yeah. who knew? Yeah, it didn't work out that way, but I can tell they're getting things back on track as the different sure. classes go through, which is good. Yeah. Looking back on starting dental school, I know it feels Colleen and I sat near each other in the sim lab <laughs> for the first two years. If you can kind of give some advice for people on that transition into school, is there anything that just did not go the way you expected starting dental school, and how did you work through that? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, one, we were remote and so sort of, a, we had a lot of self teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was surprising when you were juggling like 14 or so classes. Um, that was a lot. And so that's not something I really expected. But as far as clinical skills, because obviously we have a lot of practicals, I felt like my hygiene background was really nice as preparing me for what to expect because you're not taking a test where the answer is A, B, C, or D. Mm -hmm. You're being graded by another human, Mm -hmm. and frankly, humans are not perfect. And so you're being critiqued by someone, and that's just their opinion. And so you could have asked someone else, and something could have been fine. And so being humble about that whole like grading because don't get down on yourself too much about it. It's mm-hmm. subjective sometimes. And so you're going to fail. And that's just a thing. I remember mm-hmm. I failed our first practical and I knew it when I did it. We were creating this, what we call like an isthmus. And it was supposed to be like one millimeter or something. And mine just kept getting bigger. I don't know what happened the day mm-hmm. of the practical. And I was just like, okay, that's fine. Like it's it is what it is and now I understand how the practicals work and the nerves are out and I never failed another practical it was just yeah. one and one and done got it yeah. out of the way but not getting hard on not being too hard on yourself mm-hmm. it, it happens and the teeth in the sin lab are also so different than a, a real tooth it's much more um sensitive to yeah your technique yeah for sure <laughs> that's one thing I've been reflecting on as I'm like man, there's still a lot of things up in the real clinic that I'm just like, not where I want to be yet skill set, obviously, but we could go into the practice lab and whip out eight of something in like a few hours. And wow, you get a lot better with eight reps, but you Mm -hmm. might not have eight real patients in that same situation the whole time you're in school. Yeah. Like for the same tooth with the same kind of prep, same kind of filling, you might only do it a couple times. So like you're not getting access to the same kind of repetition that you maybe used to have control over. So I found that to be frustrating. <laughs> yeah, your type it on and your occlusion, all of that is the exact same in Sim Lab. Yeah. It's every time. Yeah. Whereas each patient, yeah, they're so, so different. Mm-hmm. So. One more thing I want to ask, and this is about third year. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in clinics, how have you managed like handling all the patients and the scheduling and the annoyances that come with clinic is there anything that sticks out to you or anything that you've kind of come up with yeah so I do use like a excel spreadsheet that someone gave me and so it it keeps track of if someone has a lot of treatment coming up and and I put it in stages so I know where we're at I know someone's just a recall so they don't need any treatment maybe they're just coming in every six months I color code if someone is scheduled versus if I need to call them versus if I left a message or if they don't need anything right now. And I think that's huge. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at that, I feel. And then um, keeping up with your contact notes, for sure, just Mm -hmm. so those are all documented. Um, And right now, third year, so the summertime, we couldn't refer to hygiene. Yeah. And now I'm really using them. Um, mm-hmm. If a patient has updated x-rays and exams and they're just coming in for a cleaning, I refer to hygiene. Yeah. Um, you know, it's their expertise. You might be selective with what patients you send. Maybe if, if they're a little bit more complex, maybe you keep them. Um, if they're easier though, yeah. let hygiene do their job for yeah. you. Uh, you get CEUs for it. They need the requirements. Um, the patients are typically very happy with the thoroughness. So mm-hmm. doing that 
Um, but talking to my faculty coach is super helpful for making sure things are on track with yeah. getting a variety of experiences with patients. Mm-hmm. You want to have your restorative, your perio, your pros, and then communicating with communicating with our clinic coordinator to try and get appointments in looking at we have a a google calendar from our pccs our clinic coordinators that say if something's full but sometimes that changes and so i'll go and actually look on the scheduler that Mm -hmm. looks at chair availability and so i'm able to get in appointments then so i felt like in the beginning i maybe didn't have enough patience to keep up with um, utilizing the maximum amount of appointments, but now I'm able to, and just looking, you have to look at it on almost a daily basis. So yeah. making it a routine and yeah, looking at clinic availability with the actual computer system rather than the Google calendar is helpful. Yeah. Um, and being honest with patients, Hey, are you available on a short notice or do you need something more in advance? Mm-hmm. Something on my Excel sheet I also do is this patient needs Mondays. This yeah. patient can't do afternoons or this patient's available for short notice. And that's really helpful with mm-hmm. filling time. Um, and so just being really organized about it, you sort of have to like study your patient list and study the calendar to understand how best to plan for things and it's time consuming and yeah it just is what it is <laughs> I know it takes so much time you're spending like hours doing patient management for it's not a class per se and it's not anything you're getting credits for it just you have to do it yeah but you know it it works out if you do that and dedicate the time I had a patient cancel and then I called someone else and an hour later they were in my chair and so just understanding your patient pool I think works really well Mm -hmm. and then you know how to sort of manipulate your schedule to make the most of it Mm -hmm. and obviously that depends on your patient pool like mine is probably very different from yours yeah you know somebody else's yeah just you don't know what your patients need or what they'll be like Mm -hmm. um and then another thing I do that an upperclassman had told me is routinely putting in new patient request forms Mm -hmm. um because sometimes those can take a long time to be filled you can ask specifically for certain things and so for a while there I was putting in one almost every week Mm -hmm. and just so they're like stacking up um, and a lot of them still have, have not been fulfilled because I'm being very specific with what I need for yeah. like test cases and stuff. But, um, yeah, and then this time of, of year, the D4s are so close to graduation, we are inheriting some of their patients because they won't have enough time before graduation to complete, yep. um, like, a removable partial or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I've noticed that I've been getting a couple patients sent from my fourth year, which is nice because yeah. they have a lot of work. And he, he's like, I won't be able to really do it. You should just do start to finish. So yes, and it's nice. this time of year, I'm noticing whether it be the D4s are out on external rotation or they're close to graduation and maybe they've already fulfilled all their requirements. The clinic seems to have more availability. I don't know if that just is happening in the last week and it's a fluke, but it seems like we have more opportunity to schedule right Which now. Which would be nice, yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking, there's actually one more thing I wanted to talk about you, mm-hmm. talk about with you. We've talked about it before a little bit with like AWD and just being women in dentistry. It's mm-hmm. kind of its own whole ball game that you're getting into. Yeah. So, and we've talked about this too, like figuring out 
your personal life outside of dentistry and how being a dentist is going to fit into all of that and like family planning and everything. Do you have yes. anything you want to share about that? So I was fortunate enough to have two female general dentists as role models before I came back. And one of them in particular, I worked for, for probably like four years and she was really inspirational. She had three children, um, had her own practice and just seeing how she juggled everything. Um, that was part of the conversation with coming back. It postponed some things in our personal life, like family planning. But, you know, I think that if you find the right person to work for and, um, and having someone else in the office, like not just being a solo owner, mm-hmm. um, for me, I think that sounds ideal. So at least having one other person, finding those sort of practices at least right away would be nice because you're going to want mentorship anyways regarding mm-hmm. you know your cl- clinical skills and and such but also if you do as a female choose to have kids and carry them yourselves you're going to need some time off whether that be six weeks or three months you know whatever you're able to do in that setting so having someone that's open to that and so that's part of my networking has also been establishing those sort of connections for yeah. my personal life um, and so that's worked out really well, but, but yeah, I think a lot of, um, patients with like being a female, I almost sort of think that they're more receptive to us, whether it be mm-hmm. like our tone, maybe we have smaller hands. I don't know what it is, but sometimes they're more receptive to trusting mm-hmm. like us in such a situation where again, you're letting someone come into your personal space. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of patients that are drawn to that aspect Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy to see that our field is growing regarding like the amount of female mm-hmm. to male ratio. There's still a lot more men yeah. practicing right now, but I think as the younger generations are coming through and entering the field, I think it is changing. Um, but yeah, finding a female role model was really impactful for me with coming back and understanding how to manage it all. Mm-hmm. Um, my spouse is going to continue working, so we're going to have to figure out if we have kids, you know, how to handle yeah. that. But um, I think that there's no perfect time to do it. And so you just yeah. have to dive in. Mm-hmm. And you hope that you have support or you find the support in one way or another. And yep. you just figure it out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Women can do it. It's just, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even it's being able to be at the time that you feel ready to have a kid, but then it's also planning to be off work. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to make your bills and everything at that time because there's no maternity leave pay or anything in dentistry, too. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation. Yeah, I think on average from those that I've spoken with, they'll offer about six weeks maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be really tough, especially if the female has a cesarean, like a C-section, mm-hmm. because typically it's six weeks minimum yeah. for that sort of situation. So again, just finding someone, if you're going to work with them, that are going to be... Supportive. Compassionate yeah. and supportive of understanding a work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and just working it out with you. Because yeah. you're not going to know what it's going to be like until you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, if it is another female dentist, it's kind of a give and take. Like, you're there for them if something mm-hmm. comes up. Like, you could maybe go cover a day if they have an emergency at home or something. Exactly. That would be ideal. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for, for me, I'm very lucky my spouse is... His, his job is, is a little bit more flexible than like having scheduled patients like this. And yeah. so we've also had discussions of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there were children and someone was sick or something happened, you know, how would we 
figure out who would be taking off work that day. And so yeah. having those discussions beforehand with your partner, um, if you are going to be diving into that with someone, is really important too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I always like to end my episode just asking mm-hmm. my guests if they have any final advice for people listening. So it's mostly pre-dental, dental students. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, I definitely would say don't be scared. Just dive right in and don't be hesitant to like reach out to someone. Like I'm available for anyone that feels like they have questions after this podcast who maybe relates to something I said. Um, finding people that will support you and, and help give you suggestions is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you're definitely capable of it. It's daunting at first, but you just take it one step at a time and you can do it. Mm-hmm. It's Thank very you. fulfilling. You should do it. <laughs> yes. No, it's great. I love it. It's, all the stresses and things melt away when you're like in the moment doing the dentistry. Even if it's a stressful appointment, it's still kind of fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> Just take it step by step yeah. and don't get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And can I put maybe your email or something in yeah. the description of the episode? Okay. So mm-hmm. people can reach out to you with your email. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Of course.